Hello, and welcome to another episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Today, we are starting a new subject. Uh, we're going to be talking about Strand today. Uh, there's a little Strand lore book that came out with uh, Lightfall. Uh, and as you use your Strand abilities in certain areas, that's what unlocks certain, uh, more of the pages of it. Uh, so yeah, we last week we did uh, we did our Shaira series, um, which was a I absolutely adored that one. That one was a, a lot of fun to do, um, as well as very personal. Uh, so it got a little bit more real, a little more, a little more. I, I don't want to say in your face, but a little more real, a little more in your face. Uh, and so now uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a couple of shorter episodes. Uh, we've got something big coming soon. Uh, that we're really excited to get started on, uh, but we're going to hold off for a while. Uh, we kind of want to wait till the new season comes around and then see where we're going from there. But uh, so for tonight, at least, uh, we're going to be talking Strand. Uh, and with Strand comes uh, some other information that we have as well in the way of Osiris. Uh, he has, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Myth, when you complete the campaign of Lightfall, uh, he has these little canisters around him, uh, and each canister has a different element in it. So one will have a void in it, one will have stasis, one will have solar. So it's got all the different subclasses we have. And when you go over and inspect them, he'll talk about them. Um, and I'm pretty sure that happens after the Lightfall campaign, right? Yeah, I I think it's after the campaign and after you've exhausted all of the, like, optional dialogue with Keitel and oh, um, sure. the other dialogue that Osiris has uh, in order to get that. And Jinzo Colorado news, <laughs> yeah. news of Neomuna. Yeah. How the hell that guy knows more shit than we do. That's, I don't know who that guy is, but he knows a lot more than we do. It seems. Uh, so yeah, so uh, let's, uh, let's just jump right off here and start with, uh, let's start with the, the Osiris stuff and then we'll, we'll kind of move into the strand stuff. Uh, so myth, uh, I believe you have those, uh, little, little blurbs that he has. Yep. So, um, these are not necessarily word for word. Uh, it's kind of a, a somewhat paraphrase, paraphrased transcription of what is said in game because I, I don't have the exact phrasing in front of me. Um, but by and large, it gets the point across and there's some really interesting uh, kind of ideas and I guess conclusions about each element uh, that harkens back a little bit to our uh, light and dark episodes that we did. Um, some things we got more correct than others, but it's cool to think we got any of it. That's kind of what these are. These these each one of these little pods when you go talk to them, it kind of gives you a, a the nature of this element uh, is what I that's that's my takeaway of it. Yeah, and like what Myth was saying is it's very much what we kind of like uh, derived uh, of what what each element um, is kind of representing uh, in our physical universe. Uh, so yeah, Myth, take it away. Yeah, so we are going to go over the elements we're more familiar with. Um, because I think it's important to know the details around the light elements in order to truly try and get a good understanding of the difference between those and the dark elements, um, such as strand. 
Uh, and stranded in and of itself is is a little more nebulous. So like kind of easing easing in with how the light ones work, I think is a good jumping off point for strand. Uh, so we're going to start here with Osiris's explanation of the solar aspect of light, which is described as uh, the manifestation of nuclear forces. Um, and not only that, but the duality of those forces and the duality of, he specifically references the sun uh, with its you know, ability to destroy with, with heat and with fire, but also the ability for warmth and uh, even in some cases fire to have a restorative effect as well. Yeah, there there are certain uh, plants. I uh, say there's a particular pine tree that comes to mind for me that uh, literally will not pollinate until a forest fire happens, until its its pine cones are exposed to extreme heat. Um, and so that that is a there's this idea around this solar force, this nuclear force that is yes, very destructive but also is comforting and in some cases required for the continuation of a, uh, you know, of a, of a species in the case of these trees, um, which we see manifested as, you know, fire is the, the subclass that burns things literally through scorch yeah. and ignite, <laughs> uh, but is also the subclass mostly focused around healing and restoring health. Yeah. Especially through cauterization, right? Like, that's uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one way you can do it. <laughs> fire, fire help heal by not, by stopping bleeding. Yay. It's very, it's very, I, I don't know, maybe that's too, it, it feels a very tightened way to heal things. <laughs> I was going to say, right? like... like <laughs> <laughs> Maybe trust maybe trust the healing to the warlocks. Maybe maybe don't let a titan heal you. If a titan's throwing healing grenades, those aren't those are just giant solar flares. That's all it is. But yeah, so we uh, uh when we talked about uh, uh solar, that was one of the things that we talked about was the the nuclear. It it's it's the light subclasses are very much dealing with the physical aspects of our universe. And solar having that uh, that affinity to uh, uh, the 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 nuclear the the fission and the fusion and uh, um, that that level of of physics that exists in our um, in our in real life right like that's that's part of what destiny is is it's like what if the traveler showed up tomorrow and this is the story now um, so yeah to have that connection to the physical plane of this universe uh that's where that's where the light subclasses exist and solar being that of nuclear yeah and kind of following that same vein and and this is something that isn't said here but osiris says during the um campaign light elements are observable through the proper instrumentation uh they are physical things they they make a physical impact on the world around them uh, that is measurable through physical instruments of some sort. Um, you know, in the case of solar, if it's a nuclear force uh, of destruction, like 
that definitely makes an impact. Uh, it's measurable in temperature. It's measurable in radiation, perhaps. Uh, and like in in the the healing way, it's measurable in you know cell counts and uh, you know cell multiplication and the you know I mean outside of the visible like wounds healing themselves kind of thing. Uh, and that that is a theme for the light subclasses. So keep that in mind. Arc, on the other hand, uh, is the electromagnetic aspect. Um, it is the element of motion and of change on an electromagnetic uh, spectrum. Uh, the key understanding of arc, as Osiris explains, is that is is to have the to approach it with the thought that change is not avoidable. That change is always something that is going to uh, going to be present. Uh, especially the more, you know, time, uh, goes on and a master of arc is someone that masters the ability to adapt to that change. I, I personally, arc is my favorite. Like I, I, my growing up, my dad was an electrician. Uh, so it kind of like, I, I picked up on it a lot, uh, going through the military. I worked on on radars, which is all electronics. Uh, I did telecommunication stuff. So I, I've, I've worked in the electronics field uh, for a very long time. So like, I, I, I feel like I have a very in-depth knowledge <laughs> of, of <laughs> ARC uh, just because of that. And so like uh, understanding things like the electromagnetic spectrum, uh, the electro, that being, it's a, it's a two-part, uh, um, spectrum, uh, one part being the magnetic, the other part being the electron, uh, and they they both have reactions with with each other. Um, it's a it's a it, it's it's a it's you can you can take a magnet and induce a current into a circuit. Also. When a current happens in a circuit, when when a current is is actively going through a circuit, it creates a magnetic field. The two of them are intertwined with each other so much so that like you can't really have one without the other. Um, maybe in a maybe in some weird alternate universe or something, you might be able to have one without the other. But in our physical universe, again, looking at this from the physical side of of the physical properties of our universe, that's how that has to happen. Uh, I feel like arc is one of the most, uh, um, I guess, understandable of the three to look at it in a physical sense because, mm -hmm. like, everyone knows that electricity exists, so it's it's fairly fairly um, straightforward to to draw a connection between electricity and arc and and the two of those being related to each other, uh, which of, of course that's exactly what they are. Is that arc arc is that physical representation of the electromagnetic electromagnetic spectrum uh uh in in the way of light so yeah. uh and then I, I like that that idea of like the motion right so like uh when you when you're when you're taking a reading uh of of a we'll say an ac an alternating current um signal 
you look at it, it on a on an oscilloscope, uh, and it and it generates a sine wave. Uh, and what that sine wave is telling you, um, you're looking at what the uh, amplitude of the voltage is at any given time. Uh, so a sine wave having a, a, a zero point, um, and then as you look at it from left to right, uh, that's the advancement of time. Uh, and then when you're looking at it uh, from top to bottom, uh, that's the amplitude. That's how, that's how high or how, how positive or how negative that, uh, that signal has gotten over that amount of time. And typically you're looking at these things in like nanoseconds. So in like one nanosecond, you've, you've gone from 100 volts to negative 100 volts. And that's extremely fast. Like a nanosecond is it's a, it's super, super fast. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, it, it's that idea of looking at, of, as being able to look at something uh, in motion across a, a, a given time period I think that also is is very much plays into the arc subclass as well because a lot of things in arc subclasses are based on movement. It's increased movement speed. It's it's uh, it, what is it? In, I think I think there's a, I know there's aspects that deal with sliding over ammo and and stuff happens. So it's mm-hmm. like having having that movement based stuff uh, makes sense there in arc because again when you're looking at anything electromagnetic. You're looking at what is happening at a given time uh, to a particular signal. So yeah, that's the that's that's the big technical readout of everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting because we can also see like the aspects of magnetism with ionic traces always kind yep. of magneting to you to the player, um, seeking you out. Uh, sometimes not as well as we want them to. Uh, I know, sometimes those things will get caught on like a pole and they'll just sit there and do laps around the pole. And I'm like, I'm right here, dude. I'm right here. Come just, on. Just five, five feet over. But yeah, this, this idea that mastery of arc requires mastery of adapting to constant change. And that's kind of what you were talking about with the, the sine wave. Like it's, it's constantly changing. It's constantly going up and down. Yep. Uh, electricity is the constant movement of electrons uh you know through a conductor but like there's there's this always happening but unpredictable at any given moment theme yeah uh, and that's that's kind of what arc is the physical manifestation of yeah now the third uh light subclass is kind of funky and we've talked about it before because it doesn't it doesn't fit well in the same sense uh it it is something whereas the other two uh you know solar and arc are both directly observable directly measurable uh void which is explained as cosmic energy um, as the cosmic energy between the big and small, uh, which is gravitational forces, um, as well as kind of, uh, he attributes it almost to also like dark matter, the stuff in, you know, the matter in between matter that we can't see. Um, and it, it's interesting because mathematically we can predict what gravity will be 
of a particular planet or moon or whatnot. But gravity isn't necessarily something that you can measure directly outside of, I suppose, feeling it yourself. Um, but generally, gravity is measured by the things it affects, not what, not like it itself. We, we don't measure, uh, you know, gravity as a force in and of itself. You, me- you know how strong or weak it is based on uh, the orbit it is forcing the things around it to keep. Yeah, it's it's well, and that's again thinking of it as an equation. We we know that the gravity of Earth is I think it's like nine point two uh, meters per second squared. Is that right? That sounds right. Something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> physics is a couple years off. So I was going to say that college physics was a that was a while ago. Um, but yeah, so like it, the force itself, you can say like, oh, well, the gravity on earth, we're giving it in a reference to something else. The gravity on the moon is completely different. It's one sixth, I believe of the earth. Uh, and all of this is all in relation to mass. Um, so it, right. because, because gravity itself, the formula for gravity involves mass, uh, gravity can only exist with something that has mass. And so since atoms themselves have mass, no matter how small they are, they still have some type of mass. Uh, that's where gravity, that's where gravity has an effect on them. And to think of it, to, to think of gravity and the, the nothingness in between stuff, uh, again, no matter how small or how large that, amount of nothingness is there is still something that that is not having nothing there is still something and so to be able to manipulate that that's more of like what the uh the void subclasses uh deal with so being being able to uh manipulate the dark space (laughs) the dark energy kind of yeah between between atoms uh, is what you're doing there. That's why. That's why you get a lot of like sucky stuff and 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 like black holey stuff. Like uh, black holes are. Uh, I I think they're one of the most terrifying things in the universe. But they're also the most like beautiful and 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 coolest things in the universe because they're just they're such an unknown with with black holes. And we're just we are just now. Um, and I say we're kind of just now starting to fully understand them uh, because technology is now allowing us to study them more. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, yeah, void, void is, a void is fucky. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we, we've talked before about like void may not be inherently light. It might kind of ride the line between the two, especially with Nezarek having control of it to some degree. Um, even previous to, uh, Vow of the Disciple. Um, now was his staff void? His, whisper? No, his his glaive was arc, which was always weird to me. Yeah. But um yeah, his glaive was arc, but his helmet was very much based around void. Yep. Um and so it's but it's not restricted just to gravitational, although gravitational I think is probably the easiest concept to apply to it. I uh, in general I I tend to think of it as the physical manista- manifestation of distortion. Ooh, I like that. And gravity is in in a way a 
a, you know, a type of a, distortion, a field yeah. of distortion. Yeah, um, I like that. I like that a lot. I really do. And it's interesting here because in in the explanation that Osiris gives of somebody being a master of void, it's somebody that kind of like reaches a certain level of what I can only describe as nirvana as a, like they, they come to the understanding that their body is made of atoms and the space between those atoms is made of nothingness. And therefore they are nothingness and they become one with that. Dude, that's uh, deep. That's, it's that's fucking deep. <laughs> it, it is is a really strange concept to try and wrap your head around, um, but it's it's like they have to the the masters of void have to embrace the fact that there is this this unknown thing that affects them and affects everything around them, uh, and that they are inherently a part of it, and they they you know, accept that and, and take control of it. Yeah. Um, make something out of nothing. Right. Right. Uh, so that, those, those are the three main light subclasses. And again, even in the case of, of void, um, especially when we think of gravitational force, even if it's hard to measure per se, it's still an external force that can be felt. It is still something that can be experienced external to an individual person. It it has some type of physical property in this universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it affects things outside of, you know, outside of itself or outside of a, a particular uh, source. And those effects are measurable. Yep. Now, when we get into the dark aspects... I, you know, in this part, again, going back to what Osiris said, light aspects are measurable with the proper tools. Dark aspects require the proper perspective. And, uh, you know, we, we've learned through the campaign that darkness is very much tied to that mental energy, that, that psychic energy being put into physical form but it still requires versus an external force that's being controlled it is an internal force that is being controlled and forced outward instead of the other way around so that brings us to stasis as kind of the first example um, before we get to strand just because we're a little more familiar with stasis we've had it a little longer um and it's a little easier to understand, I think. So when we had theorized about light and dark, we had equated stasis to uh, this, this thought of entropy, that stasis is this manifestation of negative entropy. Um, and I think we were in the right ballpark, but not quite all the way there. So Osiris explains stasis as the aspect of darkness that is responsible for order, for uh, making sure that uh, everything is happening in the way that it is supposed to. It is universal control over all of the things that are happening. 
Uh, and he theorizes that stasis took the form of ice um, in response to the expectation of the person that first came into contact with it. And then once those expectations were set, once stasis was told, this is your form, you know, that a, that's what everyone else saw it as when they first saw it. And then they just continued. They're like, Oh, it is ice. And so when they make it, it's ice. Cause that's what, it, that's what they, yeah, that's in their mind. It's cemented as like, that's what stasis is. Uh, and so stasis is connected to um, kind of control over one's self. Uh, and we saw this a little bit in the Elsie Bray uh, book with the, the dark history um, and especially the readings from the collector's book around Elsie, where she mastered stasis by having control, not buying to control stasis, but having control of herself and stasis then manifests again from in, from an internal perception into an external, uh, energy, I suppose. Yeah. And we, like, we even see that in the, um, Beyond Light campaign at the very end when uh, Aramis takes the the whole campaign. We as the Guardian are are so convinced that that we're we're calling for stasis from the darkness from this shard. Uh, and at the very end, Aramis starts freezing us, and then we pull the shard out to start trying to like unfreeze or fight back. And she yanks it out of our hands and shatters it. It's like, what are you going to do now? And then that's when we hear the voice of Elsie saying, hey, it comes from within. It's an internal control. It's a, once you can learn to control yourself, that's when you can control stasis. And then we break free and fight Aramis. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, this, this is, this is the one aspect that I'm still kind of like all over the place on. I, I do like the idea of like the removal of entropy, but that still doesn't quite um, or even or even looking at it as like negative entropy, right? So that's entropy being the the effects that time has on something, right? You're kind of like taking those effects away. And so that's what's causing everything to like hold still or freeze, if you will. Um, but then there's that idea of like bringing order out of chaos. Uh, and the world itself, the universe, in fact, is just nothing but chaos. But the human mind excuse me, the human mind absolutely loves order. Like everything's got to be exactly where it sits. Like you've got to have stuff, you know, you got little cubbies and stuff and it's got to be perfect little squares and stuff. And when a, when a picture frame doesn't sit just right on a wall, you got to come over and like nudge it to get it to line up perfectly with the wall and everything like that. That's, that's all order. Like that's that order side of it is what stasis is truly doing. It's taking all the chaos out of the equation it's it's not it's it's and that's that's that to me is why it becomes ice it, it's it's ice is such a perfect exact thing at least it feels like it when you're looking at it from the outside um and even i i don't know maybe even at a microscopic level it might be an exact perfect structure uh crystalline structure because yeah, um, it's it's aligning all of the molecules of you know what would otherwise be a, a liquid or a gas you know from random to you know, uh, very, very in, in a, in a line in in an ordered yeah. structure. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like there's there, there's that idea too. I I've also thought of it in the in the idea of like uh temperature just as a as as a standalone. Um because when you when you think of temperature, uh, and this this was something that that uh, I actually had a lot of fun explaining this to my son uh, when he's doing he's in high school he's doing high school physics. Uh, temperature is just the is essentially the measurement of the movement of individual atoms, if you can think of it that way. And so when you if you can because every atom moves like even even the atoms like in in a in a in a in a non-organic thing like like let's say your cell phone right the atoms that make up your cell phone are still technically moving like everything in there is moving obviously you can't see it because it's at a microscopic level but when you if you could take the movement of atoms an individual atom just can't stop moving because it, it wants to exert that energy outward um but if you could take an atom and stop it from moving that's what absolute zero is. That's that. That's what the um, the no temperature at all. Like that's that to me is what uh, stasis kind of is. It's that absolute zero. If you stop, if you could pick an area and stop every molecule in that area, that's what stasis does. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's like a combination of all of these. Maybe it's like the removal of entropy, or or the the slowing down of entropy. Or even negative entropy, like like causing something, reversing the effects of time on on a on a given space or, or object, as well as the arrangement of of the atoms in the space in this perfect order, as well as the slowing down of the atoms to the to the absolute zero to get them to stop moving, and that's what causes this crystalline structure to form in front of you when you use stasis. But again, it's it's very. I think it like I'm still trying to put these in physical terms. But knowing that darkness is very much a mental thing, I, I don't know now. Like, I, maybe it is more of the, maybe it's more a majority of the chaos theory, right? Like the, the taking the chaos out of everything. Yeah, and and I think, yeah, it's it's a case of like being careful not to focus on the results of stasis. Sure. Because the I think what we see the the um you know the the ordering of entropy within a given area um, perhaps that affects temperature um, we don't really have confirmation that it's it's cold ice right quote unquote because right. um, even Bungie describes it as cosmic ice right so I I think all of those are definitely observable and measurable to a degree effects. But it's not really the cause of anything. Oh, um, sure, sure, sure. This this is just what we we are perceiving in our physical space, right? So, ah, okay. okay. I I think the the cause, you know, stasis where where stasis comes from, uh, is is still that internal, is that that psychic, um, you know, need or or maybe not need exertion of control. So I think of it this way. So Elsie has control over herself. She has, you know, she, she even says herself, she is a control freak. Like she needs to be in control as much as possible of every situation she's in. Stasis requires her to have constant control of herself, of her own impulses, of her own emotions, of her own, you know, 
desires, uh, everything. And by being in control of herself, by mastering that level of self-control, she is then able to exert that control on the world around her via ah, stasis. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah, that makes sense. Here's a question for you. Oh God. So <laughs> if we take the assumption that stasis is the uh again, the mastery of self-control, and then you are exerting that control over the world around you to freeze a particular area, create ice crystal, what you perceive as ice crystals. If you are to freeze another guardian, are you temporarily exerting control over that being? Do do we think that is a, oh a valid thing to say? I, I want to say yes. By the very nature of what stasis is, you have to say yes to that, right? So if we, if we do say yes to that, here's a thought. Stasis is, and Osiris theorizes that stasis takes the form it does because the first person to find it, Elsie, and whoever Elsie learned it from in previous lives, really, um, when they first thought of what the, you know, when they instinctually decided what this power would look and interact like, it you know their their outcome was ice and therefore that's what stasis is to everyone that has seen a guardian use it and then use it themselves like it's it's ice because that's imprinted in everyone's heads that's what it should manifest as however if another group that weren't guardians that had no connection to us discovered the same power, the same darkness power of control and exerting control over your surroundings and potentially other beings and had no concept for ice or no reason to instinctually decide that this is, this should be represented as ice. Could we make the argument that perhaps stasis and freezing someone by exerting control over them and taking something by exerting your willpower or control over that being, a la Oryx, is maybe two sides of the same coin. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You got real fucking deep there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm following... And I'm pretty sure I'm understanding this. Uh, it's it's a lot of conceptual I, nebulous I wanna, stuff. It, it it is. It's and it's and it's it's that deeper understanding of like what's really like like what is really happening on an atomic level inside your body. Like it, it, it's it's that level of understanding that that we're approaching this with. Um, so yeah, I I guess to a point they could be considered the same. I don't want to say the same thing. I don't want to say they're the exact same thing. I do like that that idea of like they're two sides of the same coin. Like because you are exerting control over something, you are, and and maybe that's maybe that's like the other half. Of it like because you are uh, exerting control over a being, that being's will has now been removed. 
Therefore, if you go from if you go from it from the opposite direction and you just remove the will outright, you are now exerting control over it because you have removed the will. So I, I yeah no I'm I think I, I think I've got to say yes to all of this. I think I've got to say they're pretty close to the same thing. Because like like if Oryx if if the if the if the um, hive had no concept of ice, like. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, like it's it's one of those things where, you know, Osiris is assuming that whoever essentially whoever gets to the power first for you know, that particular uh, I guess group gets to decide what it take, the form Specifically it takes. applying to darkness subclasses, right? Because cuz that's the whole thing is darkness is darkness subclasses are there there is no they're all conceptual they're all in your mind they're all subjective yeah yep yeah yeah okay objectively fire is fire objectively lightning is lightning objectively gravity is gravity but the concept of having control over yourself or you know feeling an emotion is subjective to the person feeling it absolutely Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm I'm gonna agree here. God, that got complicated real fucking quick. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I got cross-eyed there for a second. Was like, wait a second. Hold the fuck on. I gotta slow this down. Like you slowed the train down, and I was following, and then the train came to a stasis stop, and then I got confused. <laughs> but no, I'm tracking now. I'm 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 on board, and I'm following. Uh, yeah. No, I I think I think that uh, what you're saying there between stasis and and taking could be two sides of the same coin again thinking of it in the idea of like stasis is i'm exerting control over you and the byproduct of that is your will has been removed because i've exerted control over you yeah taken being the coming from the opposite direction of going i'm just taking your will away from you and therefore the byproduct of that is i have control of you now so yeah yeah i i think you're right i like that idea i like it complicated as fuck but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and and it could be like osiris said when when we're working on strand you know all all we needed was that shift in perspective as to how we view the power we're using and maybe yeah. it's just the perspective of oryx in the process of taking was different than our perspective in the process of you know freezing quote unquote controlling let's let's call it controlling yeah because that's that's i i think that's the more apt uh because again when when you think of freezing now we're now we're back to a physical right yeah yeah, yeah. and that's and that's where i was curious like does does is stasis also kind of that gray area like like the way void is yeah it's hard to say i because stasis manifests as something that we do kind of have a natural uh you know comparison for um it's hard to to separate the two. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, Strand, on the other hand, like, we we don't have just mystic ropes to compare <laughs> to compare Strand to in our head already. Like <laughs> there there are no there are no magic threads holding me to my to my computer right now and, right. and holding the, the walls of this room together right now. That's crazy talk. Yeah, no, that definitely that definitely brings us to the the big one is strand. Like that's that's what we're that's so like I I guess 
let's dive into that then. What is yeah. Strand and like what is the uh, so so there's a few things we can we can I guess infer. Uh well not infer, it's straight up told. Strand is a darkness. Yes. Um it, therefore it has to be some type of uh concept or mental uh, I keep saying concept, but it has to be a, a subjective. It has to be a, a, an emo- tied to an emotion or tied to something mental, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So whereas stasis was control, uh, strand is explained to be the concept of really relationships. Um, so Osiris explains strand to be the aspect of interrelation, the connection of all minds to one another. Uh, again, he theorizes here that strand presents itself as threads of green, you know, uh, webbing, uh, because that is what our guardian, since we are the one that discovered it, uh, our guardian perceives that, uh, the concept of a web between all things as these green threads. Interesting. Again, looking at it as as the the first person to discover it gets to give it the the physical manifestation of it right. because that's their understanding of it. Boy, that's a hard concept to kind of like put, <laughs> <I know>. into, <laughs> put into play. Like again, your idea of of strand or stasis and and taking. I think that's a I think that's a really good idea there of of like what if two forces came across the same power and, and approached it from two different points of view. And strand is very much gonna be like that. Strand is very much so okay. Uh does that mean like the darknesses, um like the little orange blips that it does? Is that the darkness's interpretation of strand? It could be their interpretation of strand. It could be their interpretation of something else. And and that's actually a really interesting point when it comes to dark abilities or, or dark energy. So light energy has very clear kind of delineations of it's affecting this, it's affecting this, it's affecting this. Dark is literally, like the limit is literally your imagination. Isn't that mind-blowing? Literally, mind-blowing blow your mind (laughs) (laughs) it's it's and that's i think that's where like like even inside the 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 root of nightmares raid where like that area is very alice in wonderland style the very through the looking glass like it's it the whole area feels like it's just what if and that's that's very much what strand is strand and and darkness as a whole is just this what if concept Mm-hmm. And it's and like what you're saying, the the limits is just what you can think of, and and that's the thing. Like we we're stuck in the and you know because video game we're we're in this box of like okay there are three light subclasses there'll be three dark subclasses they'll you know do X Y Z things, uh, but in the game, I mean any kind of strong emotion any kind of strong mental feeling could present itself as a dark ability like stasis is control and strand is the connection to other things around you like what kind of abilities could come out of other emotions like what kind of ability would would 
hatred manifest as? What kind of ability would love manifest as? What kind of ability would, you know, anything that someone could feel could potentially manifest as something in dark energy? Could you could you imagine anxiety and depression being in a... Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Then that just fuck your brain up. <laughs> That would just That's, be a permanent rain cloud over that person. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, these are yeah. these are some. Uh, yeah, darkness literally has like no limitation. I I guess technically light also kind of has no limitation as well. Because again, as it's long true. as it's something that is measurable uh, in our physical universe, like then it's it's some, like so theoretically, time is a measured thing. And therefore, there is no light subclass associated with time right now. So we could theoretically get a light subclass that that deals with the the time. Um, but again, it's it it's all that like anything that's yeah. I don't know, man. That's that's crazy to think of. Well, and we might have had somebody mess with exactly that if you think about the sundial and Osiris. Oh, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Like he he did kind of split himself use, across multiple times. Yeah. Well, yeah, that and he he used the sundial to you know to explicitly travel in time to search for yep. Saint. Uh and I, I believe he was using light energy to do yep. that. I mean that's so, that's how he made his reflections. Like he at that yeah, point in time yep. we had no concept of dark powers. So yeah, it had to have been all light powers at that point in time. Yeah. So, but going back to Strand in particular, so this this idea of uh, Strand is the physical manifestation of the relationship between the user and everything and everyone around them. Uh, and I, I guess in my mind, um, if you know, if I were to have been the one to discover Strand and and apply a uh, a physical its physicality decide what it was going to be um i think threads are pretty appropriate i i probably would have ended up with it being red instead of green though because my mind goes to the uh the red string of fate or the red thread of fate um, which is a, a eastern asian belief uh or originates there at least of like you know in in the tellings I have heard it's you are tied to whoever your soulmate is with this invisible red string. Uh, and that's how you eventually find them as you follow the string. But in, in strands case, it's, it's kind of like that, but it's what if you had a, a string that went from you to everything in the universe, essentially. There, there was another thread like, for like literally everything. Like there's, yeah. a, there's a string for you to your phone, and then there's another one from you to your chair, and then there's another one from you to the wall. Like everything in the universe having a strand. Yeah. Uh, and so, say with with those thoughts in mind around strands, I I think it's time to read through the strand lore book. Yeah. Yeah. So more readings. Yay. That's some what of this, we do. <laughs> right. Uh that and physics lessons apparently. We don't we don't <laughs> just do physics lessons. I I know the first half of this episode has been like really, really in depth with concepts and physics and 
all that shit. But trust me, we just do that because we like it. We're just we're just weird <laughs> science freaks. A uh, little bit. So yeah, so this next part, like this, now we start the actual like in-game reading stuff. Yeah. So if you um, if you were confused or bored or, or just like what the fuck is going on with this podcast for the last like I don't know half hour or so, switch gears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think some of that baseline understanding is necessary to kind of follow some of what's going on in this lore book. Absolutely. Um, because a lot of what's going on here is Osiris pondering the same things we are, uh, as well as some firsthand accounts of guardians in the field using some of these abilities for the first time and kind of what, how we can see what they're feeling manifesting into Strand. I'm telling you, anyone who, who thinks like what we just thought the, the last like 45 minutes or so, they're just warlocks. <laughs> yeah we're just if you, i mean if we you, are warlock mans that's what i'm saying if you think in the same way that we think you're war if if you got through the first half and was like what color does crayons taste you are not a warlock <laughs> or if you just smoke bombed out after the first 10 minutes yep. you're definitely not yep if you skipped if you skipped for this time sam you're just a hunt. god damn it <laughs> But yeah, I, fucking, I love it. I love it, man. I love it. I absolutely love it. Whatever your main is says a lot about you as a person and like what you do. If you skip to the end of a movie, you're a hunter. If, if you didn't understand the first 45 minutes of the concept of the movie, you're a titan. If all you did was ponder the first 45 minutes of the movie going, what if you're a warlock? <laughs> I like it. There you go. You can use that to judge your next movie date. Uh, there it is. There it there is. But no, so we're going to get into the first reading. This is the Warp and Weft lore book, um, which I think we mentioned before, but you get the pages for this by uh, progressing through the Strand subclass. Um, and I believe once you've unlocked every single Strand, like grenade, aspect, fragment, uh, for one class, it gives you the whole book. Not, not quite. You still have to do stuff on Neomuna. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, then. I'm, I'm one page away from doing it because it's like, go do Tangles in the whatever zone for the uh, week. And I'm just like, yeah. uh, nope, I'm bored. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that that requirement. But uh, but yeah, so this uh, this one starts with Strand Log 1, and it goes like this. There's no point in lingering on, um, on my restriction from frontline efforts. Rather, I am dedicating my efforts to the understanding of this peculiar force the Guardians have stumbled into. It is unknown to our local hosts, but they have been of limited help. Green energy returns few helpful results in, in accessible vanguard databases. There are some limited notes on Weapons of Sorrow, of course, and Hive Magics do have a distinctive yellowish-green hue, but the quality of the visible effect is different, as is, naturally, the effect itself. But all the same, it is not a power of the light. The ghost was certain about that. To sum up what is known, the power manifests with a specific symbol set, Green, thread or strings, knots, is worth noting that 
there never seems to be a single thread, but rather a collection of them, whether in parallel or tangled. This power carries an impressive capacity for destruction, but causes a sort of rebound or exhaustion, the nature of which is not fully clear. It has not yet appeared lethal to the self, but it is being wielded by a guardian fully empowered. Lethality means little in that context if it does not strike the ghost as well, which this does not. The guardian is the only one who has wielded this power to date. One sample is insufficient to draw a full conclusion about the capacity required in a wielder. We certainly know by now that no existing power of light is required to use a power of dark, only willingness to participate in the required ritual. The Guardian reported a sense of connection, a perception of the greater whole. I include this as relevant, more than likely related to the concept of multiple strings. We do not yet know enough. The enemies here on Neptune have put significant effort into inhibiting known paracausal powers. This new one may be precisely what is needed to gain an upper hand and keep it. But something uncontrolled and unknown, the nature of which is not fully understood, is unwise to wield indiscriminately. I could return to some place the source of this energy has been reported and seek to touch it myself, but I hesitate. I do not know why. Practical study via the Guardian first. Ontological and paracausal study once the current trouble has been dealt with. And that's the end of this log. Very, very much Osiris approaching this with a with a a warlock brain, a very a very yeah. knowledgeable, you know, scientific thought with it. Uh, he states his knowns. He states his concerns. Like it, he's 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 this is this is science. Like it, to him, everything is just a science, and so to study it is 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 to become a master of it. So yeah, I do like uh, that he he calls out you know the the. Uh, weapons of sorrow and the and the hive magic is being similar but not not the same like um they may look the same color just because something is green doesn't mean that it's strand uh but yeah and then to to have those knowns uh and even the concerns i i personally think like his his biggest concern is like well shit i can die like yeah <laughs> if i go touch this thing and it kills me that's it that's game over i don't have a ghost i but the guardian it can kill him 20 times over. The ghost just res him. Like, yeah. And yeah, we saw as much in the uh, in the 80s montage cutscene in the Lightfall campaign. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I, I love that little cutscene. The Guardian dies and the ghost and, and Osiris just look at each other and shake their heads and like, nope, needs more training. Oh, that, that wasn't it. Uh, yeah, no, it, it it is interesting though, thinking about Hive magic and the Weapons of Sorrow, which are kind of linked to hive magic. Yep. Um, if, if we, knowing what we know now about dark, you know, and not to go on too big of a tangent, knowing what we know now about dark and all dark abilities are tied to an emotion or a perception of the world around them. Hive magic, at least in relation to some things, I'm thinking like, the death singers and you know the weapons of sorrow which cause final deaths even if they don't kill the ghost uh in the case of like thorn i wonder if that is 
the if if those magics are the hives manifestation of the concept of death i i don't see why not even the idea of like an oversoul like, right i like all of that just seems to make sense or or like teleportation right like that's just moving from one plane to another and and death is thought of as like moving to the next plane yeah no i i really like that theory so i mean i i think as we maybe discover more dark abilities or or come up against more dark abilities i think it's going to be very interesting to always in the back of your mind be like what what are they thinking what is yeah. the what is the perception they have that is manifesting in this way and that's kind of cool to think about i like it i really yeah. like it so we move on to uh the next chapter of this book which is called carding uh and this is not from Osiris's point of view. Uh, but this one goes like this. Shadow Legion moving through the streets. Boxy formation. Few scouts ahead. Two heavy hitters. Colossi. Even in silhouette against Niamuna's bright lights, the shapes of their cannons are distinctive, weighing down their steps and progress. The Titan steps out to block their way. There's power here, a place where something new and vibrant runs close to the skin of the world, so close she could just reach out and touch it. So she does, and the brilliant city wakes up. Potential and connection string a network of understanding along the streets, and she understands everything understands how the scouts will come out of the next intersection down to try to flank her understands the movement of the shadow legion's formation how one soldier and the next are all connected a beautiful dance of inextricably link she wraps those links around her fists and charges into the fray and they scatter like pins like mice with the cat among them it's perfect She tears through legionary and legionary, catches a hum along the thread that tells her to move, and spins a full 180 degrees and arcs back, swipes out, ballistic and instinctive, and a colossus falls. And then she thinks, how did she know to do that? And now she's trying too hard to anticipate and feels warnings in motion coming from all sides and reacts, but consciously, in the realm where she has to think too hard about every move and put put her half a second behind. Step here, punch there, and then the threads are humming, harmony, becoming warnings, becoming discord, as the Titan realizes she doesn't know which way to leap anymore. Fire snakes toward her, and a heavy shield comes around, and all the threads slip away. She misses a few moments in oblivion. The next thing she knows, her ghost is hunkered close, a vibrant touch of light pulling her up to a whole body, a hale mind. The sense of potential still thrums there, a heartbeat under the surface, a promise in the next battle. Desperately, the Titan scrambles for it again, but strands break in her grasp, and the Legion is too close, and she wants too much, too fast. It's going to take too long to breathe and find again that perfect harmony that she had, 
to say nothing of reaching for the light. Her nerves are rattled, her mind is blank, and the colossus remaining charges up his cannon, and her ghost bumps against her helm, and she takes the only action that she can think of. She flees. Ghost cupped in her hand, and her favorite sword melted useless on the city street behind them. And it's the end of that chapter. So this is very much the the uh, um, obviously this is a fight a Titan is having in the in the patrol zones of Neomuna. Yep. Um, kind of first discovering Strand and like at first it seems super easy and like she's pulling on these threads because everything's connected so she can see oh well this is happening because this is happening because that's happening and that starts kind of a cascade event in her in her mind to then try to overcompensate for it and be like oh, okay well if i can think five steps ahead why can't i think 10 steps ahead and to try to jump to the 10 steps without thinking of steps you know six seven eight and nine which is then causing her which is throwing off her balance and then throwing off the threads and now she's out of sync with it and now it's now it's now it's completely out of out of her control and she's dead and she reses and she's like, okay, let's try again. But she's already, she, she's trying to, again, to start at step 10 now because she knows the outcome of step 10 without going through steps one through nine. Uh, and strain is very much about that. You, like you can see step 10, but you still need to go through steps one through nine to get there. You have to move with it. You have to, and, and Nimbus, I think, says this a lot, like you have to flow with it. And, and that's the big thing is you flow with, with Strand. Let it flow. Like don't yeah. fight it. Don't, don't work against it. Don't try to overcompensate for it. So that's, uh, yeah, I, I like that, uh, that uh, interpretation here. Yeah, and, and I think that's important um, to, to latch onto for a second with Nimbus talking about flow with the river. Personally, I I understand the point they're trying to make. I don't think that was the correct analogy oh, yeah. Um, yeah, for people no. to understand. So what what I think of it as is in sports, there is something called the flow state, where when you are a very practiced athlete at a particular sport, there are times where you just do, be that yeah. running, be that you know, jumping, swimming, you know, basketball, whatever it may be, you, you just, your body and your mind are synced up and all the, all the practice you've done and you just, you just operate on instinct. Is that, is that muscle memory? We yeah. Do, we do, we do the same thing in the military. Like when you, when you go and, and you're clearing a room or you're clearing a building, every motion of that is so practiced and so it's done so many times that when you get into the live version of it, it everything just happens in muscle memory form and everything just the next action happens. The next action after that happens. Yeah, you are in athletes that that have achieved or, or have entered this flow state um, will describe it as like they are fully engaged in that one singular goal. They a lot of times they will lose the perception of time around them. Yep. Uh, it's almost like everything outside of them slows down. Yeah, they are just yeah. concentrated on that one thing. And uh, you know, I am by no means a professional athlete. I uh, but I do quite a bit of archery, and I you know I equate it to there are times where I will just get in a groove where it's it's let you know I'm not even aiming anymore. It's all about the pattern of you know 
arrow, knock, draw, breathe, release, arrow, knock, draw, breathe, release. Yep. And it's, again, it's not that I'm aiming. It's just, I'm, I'm letting all those instincts take over. And then the minute I go, oh, that's a really good grouping. And then I try and aim for it. <laughs> it's gone immediately. You fuck it up every time, <laughs> every time it, you get it, every time happens every time. But again, it's it's that it's that concept of like you've you've now overcompensated for it, like you've you've overthought it, like you've gone out of the rhythm of you know arrow, knock, draw, breathe, release, arrow, not like you, you've gotten out of that awareness now. Now you've gotten like arrow, knock, draw, aim. Ah, oh, shit, I forgot to breathe. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. now you <laughs> fucked. Like you fucked everything up. Like that's that's exactly what's happening there. Uh, yeah. So I like yeah I like that I like that analogy. So I think that's. More or less what our, our wayward Titan here has experienced. Yep. Um, but So our next entry here is uh, another log from Osiris who uh, has made a little more headway into his understanding of Strand. Um, and so this one goes like this. We are calling this power Strand, the threads of the world as it is woven if the conscious universe could be considered to be a tapestry. Further analysis and data have suggested that the wielder of Strand begins to see, simply put, connections between allies, between enemies. It is a force that is always present, but wells to the surface more strongly in certain locations, perhaps places many people think about or where many beings have passed by. The true power of Strand lies not in the fact of the connection alone, but in the way such a power allows the manipulation of those connections, to make them something physical, and then pull on it, or break it, or tie it in a knot, or unravel it entirely. Strand is not without danger, although that should not be unusual to Guardians. Those who take up the banner of Stormcaller, for instance, have their own storied contention with the storm, and the void was unilaterally regarded as dangerous by the vanguard for many years. Strand's danger comes from the very act of taking hold of those threads. Like many powers, the closer one comes to the source, the more likely the source may act against the wielder. This danger is no product of the darkness, or rather only in so much as wildfire is a product of light, a natural consequence. That aspect of darkness which revels in destruction, which encourages the easy entropy for the pursuit of power, it is nowhere to be found here. It may not even be truly part of the darkness. I have now touched Strand myself. Carefully, I am all too aware of my mortality, but I must understand the power further if I am to hope to instruct the Guardian in return. They acted as a lightning rod while I experimented, and the backlash clung to them instead. What a strange feeling to be so aware of one's size in the spectrum of existence. It is the natural instinct to try to steer that, to take any control at all, no matter how much. 
Whatever can be done to feel as though you are not wholly adrift, lost in something huge and all-encompassing. But precisely at the moment you try to grasp for control, the weave becomes a devouring snarl. And that's the end of that entry. Again, that, I, that idea and that concept of control, of that taking chaos away from everything. That's, yeah, this is, this is darkness. That's what it is. Yeah, but it, in, in this instance, he's, almost, he's talking about when you try to take control and you try to exert control rather than flow, you are, you know, when you focus on what, on what you're doing rather than just letting it happen... Uh, like you would with stasis, strand doesn't work that way, and that's when nope. you lose it. That's when it disappears that's when it and blows up in your face. Yep, and disintegrates you. <laughs> in the yeah. case of yeah. the guardian, yeah. And and just and just like we said before, the, Osiris is definitely feeling his mortality here. Like it's oh yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to he doesn't want to mess with something that he knows can and will kill him if he if he doesn't uh, properly approach it. Uh, and but the curiosity in him, like he's he's still the warlock Osiris. He's still the, you know, I I am the warlock Osiris. I have no equal. Yeah, cute, cute, uh, <laughs> cute as as Clovis AI would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's very much he he wants to know. He he wants to learn. He wants to he wants to be the the knowledge bearer uh, in the universe. Yeah. So the next chapter here is giving us another perspective on this ability, this time through the eyes of a hunter. And this one, this chapter is called Roving, and it goes like this. Niamuna is a wonderful place for a hunter to run. This hunter, specifically. Here, the activity of life runs close to the surface, like an invisible river, like a migration of birds, like the Moment of breathless motion just before the lightning strikes. Here, Strand twines through his fingers, strong as a rope and just as flexible, and all he has to do is keep running. And why would he ever want to stop? The pounding of feet, the exhilaration of free fall, the snap as he catches hold of the weave of existence itself and swings up again with all the momentum of his dive. In motion, as he turns, he catches brass and gold, reflecting vibrant city lights, realizing there are vex in the streets. Are they, too, part of the same flow? They echo in the weave, nevertheless, like flowers on the surface of the rushing river. And the hunter bounds from one building to the next, never stopping, and finds effortlessly the place where all those vex will converge, drops a rolling knot into the midst of the sail and sails on by. How wonderful, simply to move and never to stop. And then later, when the exhilaration has run its course and he has agreed to do some little work in the service of science, he perches at the top of Artifact's Edge, the towering drop-off on Nessus. There's a safe lift down, but no hunter he knows has ever bothered to take it, rather bounding along in their freefall, daredevil way. 
on Neptune in Niamuna, where that artifact of darkness shores up the existence of the city itself. Finding the weave was easy. Here, here on Nessus, it's perhaps not as close to the surface. But now he knows what he reaches for, and and by the darkness it knows him as well. The hunter wraps his hands in the beautiful ropes of the world's loom and vaults into emptiness. Laughter and strand buoy him up at once, delight and freedom and a wonder at the vastness of existence. Easier to learn the trick of it where the veil is close and enveloping. But of course, strand is everywhere. How could it not be? And that's the end of that entry. I I definitely feel like Strand is maybe it's the other way around. Maybe 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 hunters are highly attuned to Strand. I don't know. It just it to yeah. me like Strand and hunters just seem to go together. Like I don't know. It's like 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 Titans and crayons. <laughs> strand and hunters. That's what it is. Like I don't know. It it Strand Strand feel like as a warlock playing Strand. I I know there are strong builds. I know they exist. It just, it feels like an awkward, there's an awkwardness to it as a warlock. But for some reason, as a hunter, I don't know, it just, it feels fluid. It feels, I don't know, it it, it feels natural. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think hunters are, hunters and strand are kind of drawn to each other, it feels. Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, probably a, a pretty accurate um, theory there. Because, I mean, hunters have always been about like, freedom freedom yeah. from responsibility in some cases but freedom of movement and you know the talking about like no hunter they know would ever not free fall off a tower yeah, yeah. like they they live for that the just adrenaline rush of you know athleticism of feeling i uh, that that freedom of being you know of wondering at the vastness of the existence they're traveling through. I, I guess maybe you could relate it to, um, you know, people that, that do like parkour to traverse across different, different areas. Like it's just that they never, they never break momentum. It's always about like keeping, keeping moving onto the next thing. One fluid movement. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I very much think that is, you know, one of the hunter mantras and that definitely fits right in with, uh, with the whole strand, keep with the flow yep. kind of thought. Yep. Uh, so we're going to return to Osiris once more with strand log number three. Uh, and he has made further headway in his research and it goes like this. I've been conducting research among the local population specifically regarding the children's story Nimbus told us regarding the River of Souls. I had a suspicion that there might have been other versions, or versions with better recorded provenance. Willingness to to participate has been mixed, as have the results. It seems to be an endemic concept rather than a religious belief, and no one has been able to say where it comes from save that a parent or teacher told them at some point. Some respondents have mentioned a river of stars, 
perhaps the Milky Way. And some have cited wind streams and weather formations, but the majority of respondents adhere to the river of souls construct. All things come from the river, and all return to it. The river may split and meet again. Other things may fall into it and change its course, but nevertheless, it continues. In time, even mountains are worn down before it. Naturally, it is easy to view this as an allegory for control of life. In the end, rivers are impossible to control. A person may swim or boat, but never take hold of the river to steer the course of the water itself. And it is impossible not to see the relationship to strand, which slips away the moment the person tries to grasp too tightly. I wonder about strand, about its appearance. We can see the origins of the stasis power on Europa and the concept of a Cosmic ice to oppose stellar fire fits very neatly into a certain sort of paradigm. Even that idea of stillness and control suits freezing, a slowness of atoms, whether or not it is in truth the power of ice. There is a certain weight to the perception of an element. If Strand had been shaped through the lens of Niamuna, surely. It should have been some cosmic water instead, something that flows and gives way only to rise again. There are certain combat styles to support this in old records. But this power that has never before been used in this way came to a guardian first, and I conjecture that they may have unconsciously given it its form. I wish I had seen it. What would connection have appeared as? Now, of course, we know the shape of, it, of this power. It's green, it weaves itself in strings. As other guardians begin to learn it, they too slot, into these positions, slot it into these positions in their mind. Whatever advances they come to are already framed. All the same, I cannot help but wonder about the nascent, formless thing it was before we reached out to it. And it reached back. And that's the end of that entry. I mean, he's he's theorizing the same stuff we are. Like, what if, what was it before we we gave it form and before we framed it as this green string thing? Was it water? Was it like a river? Like, I, yeah, it's. God, that's super neat. He even asked the questions like, "What does control look like to somebody else?" Like, it, yeah. I like this. I like. He's so scientific. Yay, <laughs> warlocks! Birds of a feather. Yay! Uh, it, it is interesting that they mention, you know, it being this thought about like, well, if Niamuna had decided what this power looked like, it would, probably would have be been like water or water or wisps. Yeah, some or something that flows. Yeah. Um, and I, it's probably you know coincidental but it is kind of interesting that uh this concept of water of uh you know this river of souls this power that may have been water if they had gotten to it first and then our very next season is season of the deep which based on the key art we have seen (laughs) seems to be based underwater holy shit can you imagine 
So can you imagine like instead of throwing tangles, we threw like water droplets? <laughs> yeah, what what would that have looked like? That would have right? been really like what hmm. <laughs> water shrukens <laughs> that disintegrate and splash around and just throwing rain clouds at people. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like it's, it's 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 but that's the thing with darkness is it's your your imagination is the limitation. So yeah. Strand could have been literally anything. It could have been Coke cans. Like <laughs> you know, like that... it could Okay. How how does <laughs> a can of Coke symbolize the I don't know. It's not my mind. It's somebody else's mind. (laughs) Well, your mind thought of it, so. That's true. I don't know. I don't know, man. Sometimes I just say shit. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like that, that idea that, that your mind is the limitation on what a, a darkness power will manifest as. And, and the only reason why it continues to manifest as the same thing is because the first person gave it that form. Yep. And therefore every other person now has a starting point. And that's, I think that's just like the nature of like human learning. Like if we have a start point to go off of everything else that we learn that, it, that, that builds on that makes it easier. That's the whole reason why we go through kindergarten and first grade and second grade, all the way up, all the way through college. Like everything is building on something that we, we start off with as a, as a simple concept. Uh, so yeah, it's, it, I, I like that idea. I, I like all of it. Like th- so far, this as as weird as it sounds, like darkness seems like the most obvious thing to understand <laughs> because it's so abstract. In a way, yeah. Like the sky's the limit, and it's, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of warlocks, yeah. Uh, the now we can next see this chapter. Poor, confused. <laughs> <laughs> This poor, confused man sit around going, what the shit do I do with all this stuff? (laughs) So our next chapter here um, is following a, not Osiris, but a different warlock um, in their discoveries of Strand. Uh, And this chapter is entitled Spinning, and it goes like this. The warlock sits with hands in the water and hums to themselves. Several of the local feral puka come and go as time passes, bumping up against fingers or vaulting out of the water to become airborne and curious, spattering drops everywhere. The warlock doesn't mind, really. It's impossible to feel alone when dozens of creatures are hanging on their every move. Perhaps meditation is meant to be solitary, but this is comforting. A year ago, they were running with a fire team, a tight-knit group of six that each, had, that each had each other's backs. Till the stars died, the lot of them had thought. It would always be like this. But now, there is only one warlock, sitting in a flock of puka, in an impossible settlement on a miraculous planet. And they miss that sense of companionship desperately. There's something besides water in their hands. Cautiously, wonderingly, they lift their hands out of the pool and find green, the same verdancy as strand, 
the same parallel strings and helical shifts, only this also seems to be living somehow. It skitters over their hand and up their arm to their shoulder, leaving a sense of warmth in its wake, and the warlock stays very still as the little strand creature brushes against their cheek and then simply vanishes, a lingering hint of green and a sense of company, the only concept that it, that it was there in the first place. The puka congregate around shortly after, all chirps and flaps, and the warlock can't help but laugh, even as they shoo them away. They're supposed to be meditating, after all. But they didn't really come here to be alone, and it was foolish to think that they could ever that they ever could be, when connected to the web that living creatures spin between them. The warlock breathes deep and dips their hands into the water again, and the puka and the little green moments of connection swarm about them. All might not be well, but it is better like this. Not alone, never truly alone, in this wide world where everything is bound together. And that's the end of that entry. See, warlocks just want a little buddy. That's all it, that's <laughs> all it is. They, they see that connection to each other and... and they, they like warlocks feel that connection to each other, and that's all. That's all we want. We just, we just want a little buddy. I, I, I like this one because it's it, the, the, the warlock there. He's, he's missing that. It's, it's, it's funny because he's like, he's thinking back to fonder times of his six man fire team of going through raids and just cutting up and you know, ha ha, you died to Aetheon. you suck, bro. Uh, and then just, just thinking of that companionship, and now that they, now that he's here on Niamuna. And having to go through this experience alone, it's it's it he's lost there. And so to think of that companionship, and then for it to manifest itself in the form of the threadling, and now he has his little buddy again. Now he has his little friend. So he's never truly alone. Like he like he could always call up his team and be like, "Hey, let's go, let's go run DSC or something," and and they would. But like, yeah, it's uh, I like this. I I really, man, I really am a warlock at heart. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's an interesting thing to see all the differences in perspective around yeah. Strand, even even between the classes class here. Class, yeah. So for, from the hunter point of view, it's like I'm connected to this wide open world that I can take, you know, that I, I just need to explore. And f- it, there's still that connection to everything around them, but it's through the perspective of, you know, uh, of a different sort where with a warlock it's i'm connected to the people around me to the relationships i've had and that connection manifests physically as a living being as a as a thing what do you what do you what do you think shira thinks oh boy right yeah shira with strand would be like, interesting what the hell man <laughs> Cause she had that big connection with her family and then to have the big fallout, but then her family to come forgive her. And then for her to be out in the wild again, like, holy shit, man. Yeah. I mean, we do have a new trials weapon dropping next season with the glaive. 
I'm I'm if it's it's got to really have some Shira stuff with with Strand on it. I'm really I, hoping. I hope it does. If it it's got oh man, dude, you got me stoked now. Now I'm like, <laughs> yeah, connections, yay. Yeah. See, that's that's why you and I work so well because we have all these connections in our brain to all these other points of time and in this Destiny universe. There you go. Goddamn warlocks. I. <laughs> uh... And so now we return to Osiris once more with his his log of uh, theorizing and discovery. Uh, and so this is strand log number four, and it goes like this. Despite being aware by now of the correct manner to practice strand, a loose hand, a letting go of the concept that it can be controlled, some things still elude me. The will to let go at all, for instance. It is pure foolishness, of course, to think that letting go of the need to control this one thing will extend to all areas of my life. A seeding of control in a game of chess does not translate to the same in philosophy. And yet, it is true that people are not discrete, disconnected systems. They are many interlinked systems and one facet adjoins the next. I think of spinning. It's been a long, long time since any raw fiber passed my hands. But there were times in the Dark Age when if anyone wanted cloth, it must be made from scratch. Fleece is shorn and then carded out to remove the imperfections and align the fibers. And when you have them, what then? A single fiber is short and fragile. It breaks if even if you tug it lightly. But twist many of these short fibers together, and they become useful, weavable, or knittable. This is strong cloth made. Thus is strong cloth made from the most delicate of things. I think of spinning, and I remember the way unspun fiber passes through the fingers of the spindle. One pinches, but not too hard, just enough to direct and narrow. Too much, and the fiber does not pass. The spinning does not take. The metaphor is transparent. Obviously, this is about strand, just as it is about a craft I used to know long ago. Beginner's errors can only be solved by learning the shape of failure, but most yarn will not unravel the spinner if mistake is if a mistake is made. And I am afraid, not only of death, but of wasting that final sacrifice Segura made to preserve my life. But that if I open my hand, I will find it no longer hurts. That the thorn I have imagined there for so long is already gone. It is all the same thing in the end. I think I must be willing to let go. To let that which is truly temporary sink beneath the water. In order to achieve any significant capacity with strand. Even pain may be guarded jealously as though it is a treasure but it need not be. How fascinating that the lens of Strand shows us this about the dark. And that's the end of that entry. 
man, metaphor city up in here. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he's. It, I I like the ideas of like you can't push the the yarn too hard through the through the spindle or else it'll just tear and like even even with strand it's 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 a many a, a great many single things that are coming together to form a whole and and individually yeah they're they're useless they're junk but as a whole now it's useful now it's a now it's a thing now it's 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 usable so yeah it it, it it's Again, thinking of, of the idea of like everything's connected, like okay, pulling on this on the strand connected to your cell phone, strand breaks, your cell phone sits on the table. Pulling on the strand that connects you to your chair, the strand breaks, you sit in your chair. But like using multiples of those, like being able to to combine those into multiple, combine mul- multitudes of those into a single strand, now be able to like physically lift yourself up using nothing but the power of strand, and that's that's where we get things like the grapple. So yeah, it I yeah, this is man, warlocks are thinkers. <laughs> and it, it's it's interesting to see that Osiris kind of uh has is decided that most likely his barrier to using strand in any meaningful way is that he doesn't want to let go of feeling pain over Sagira's death. Yeah. Because it's almost, you know, in his eyes, it's almost like that. That's that's the closest thing he has of her anymore. Is it's, the it's like it's like forgetting she exists, right? And to him, that's like that's like the ultimate sin because like she gave she gave herself so that he could continue to live. Yeah, yeah. and to to let go of you know that feeling of responsibility is more than he can do at, at the time. Uh, so we're going to stick with Osiris for our final reading of this book uh, and likely final reading of this episode. Yeah. Um, the one, and the one lore entry of this book that I still don't have because I'm too late. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is about Osiris, but it's from a third person perspective uh this is not from osiris's point of view this is from an observer uh and so this one is called weaving and it goes like this osiris contemplates the universe strand curls between his fingers a gentle presence shape-shifting but not changing a helix A careful knot, like those that used to be artwork. A braid. Always strands, always a structure that creates strength from fragility. He is so aware of the beat of his heart, in ways he never knew he used to be. It shudders in his chest, aching but resolute. He knows where the closest people are. The guardian, obvious within eyesight and hovering fretfully just in case of Osiris just in case if Osiris slips. Nimbus further away but tangible, probably surveying the city outside. And there's a puka he can't quite see somewhere behind him, making eddies in the flow of the strand as if it can dive into and out of it at will. It would be so easy 
to close his hand, to take hold of that which he touches. But he does not. He thinks about it, lets his fingers curl softly, holds there as the humming chords of the world's loom shiver around him. And existence flows. It is not a stagnant thing, one snapshot in time. In these connections there is always motion, and all things are swept away in time, both good and bad. No wonder Strand unravels when it is given half a chance to do so. As far as it's concerned, if it is any sentience at all, everything is simply part of the river, a momentary curve or splash. Osiris has known the vastness of the infinite forest and the great span of their solar system, and it is only here, with a tiny, nascent spiral of the cosmic weft in his hand, that he truly feels small. And yet, he knows also that he is not alone. A hundred, hundred steady threads weave together, pulling this way and that, flowing and twisting, and always part of the greater whole. He should be taking notes, expanding the vanguard's understanding of darkness, simplifying the steps of learning strand for guardians new to paracausality. But for a moment, Osiris is at peace. And that's the end of that entry. Oh, yay, happy note. <laughs> I like ending on happy notes. It makes yeah. me feel good. Not negative cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Let's not do that again. Or maybe we do do that again. Hell, I don't know. Only time will tell. <laughs> Only time will tell. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, so yeah, so that's uh, that's our Strand episode. That's yeah. uh, we we I know we got really deep in the first half, um, but yeah, Strand is a. I I guess I guess can we can we can we try to answer some questions then at, at that that we tried to ask at the beginning? Like, I, Strand is darkness. It is yep. a connection to all things, yep. uh, an unseen connection, though we as the Guardian are able to physically see it because we, we manifest it that way. Um, it is, it, it is uh, um, still a mental ability because it is tied to darkness. Uh, if pulled too hard, if, if too much control is tried to, to have to be had over it it will kill us uh yeah though luckily our coach is like okay let me reset that for a second uh but yeah it it's as long as you can flow with it and 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 not fight it 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 seems to play nice and the only reason why we see it as green strings is because we discovered it first and we decided that's that's what that's we, what it is you know we thought therefore it is yeah Great thinkers of the universe. <laughs> VIP 2014. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, what, what, do we, what do we got for shout outs? Yeah. So uh, we've got one shout out for this episode. Uh, this one coming to us from Twitter. Uh, 
This is from RN Jesus. Get out of town. <laughs> uh, who has not been terribly kind with some of our clanmates' exotic drops. <laughs> um, yeah. How dare you? I ran I ran 10 lost sectors the other day and got nothing. Well, now you know who to complain to. That's, that's who I'm doing it to. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But uh, they, they go on to say, um, about two months in, and I'm caught up. Hands down, the best D2 lore podcast out there. Keep up the good work. I tell everyone I know where I learned the lore from and send them your way. You should give yourself more credit than you do. Well, thank Aww. you. Oh, <laughs> guys. You guys are great. You guys are freaking awesome. You know what? I don't, e- I don't even care that I, I ran 10 lost extras just for the fun of it then. <laughs> uh, but no, it, that, that does. It means a lot. Thank you very much. Um, it's, it's always, uh, we, we've said it before, but it is the highest form of praise to know that not only did you enjoy it, but you enjoyed it so much that you want to actively tell other people about it. Yeah. Uh, like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So. It's like seeing a movie and you really enjoy the movie and you're just like, Hey, I got to tell you all about this movie. You need to go see yeah. this movie. Like, yeah, that's, we freaking love it. We absolutely, absolutely love it. So thank you, RN Jesus, despite yeah. our exotic drops. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know that you can, complain because your first two raids i certainly can't (laughs) (laughs) i certainly can't complain this this guy raid raid one completion exotic shotgun hey let's run it back raid two completion exotic shotgun like what the hell (laughs) yeah yeah i've gotten a third one since then oh jesus (laughs) R and Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's uh it's a thing. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, uh I don't really have any thank yous to give out. Uh, I you know what? I'll I'll thank physics. I'll thank all the physics teachers out there this time. Uh you make life hard. <laughs> uh and and I get it, like if you want to have a higher understanding of stuff, you have to understand physics because Physics is how the world works. If it if it stinks, it's chemistry. If it's if it grows, it's biology. If it works, it's physics. And I thank you for that for 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 making me rethink how the world works uh, and having a higher understanding of it. You want to you want to give our little where to find us and stuff. Yeah. So, um, if you enjoyed what you heard please feel free to give us a rating on your platform of choice, be that, you know, Apple or Spotify or Audible or wherever. Um, And say those ratings are super helpful for us. Uh, And if you feel strongly enough that you want to leave a text review, if your platform allows it, um, please feel free to do so. We love going through and reading those. Uh, or if you want to just drop us a line, you can do so at uh, on our Twitter, which is at Myths and Stories, about the Z. Um, and you may hear yourself on a future shout out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, anything else then, Myth? That's it. All righty. Then from all of us Lore Daddies to all of you Guardians out there, we'll see you next time.